Welcome to the Slow the Fuck Down Show. I'm sensuality coach Casey Hall. And I'm trauma healer Elizabeth Menzel. Each episode, we choose a theme and put together different stories, skills, and songs on that theme to help you slow down and lift you up throughout the pandemic and beyond. On today's episode, Slow the Fuck Down with Poverty Consciousness. Welcome and thank you for giving yourself a slowdown experience. By the end of the show, you'll walk away with practical skills that actually work. So get cozy, grab your favorite beverage, and soak in our soothing support. In this time of COVID, you may have noticed that loneliness, sickness, and money worries are up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but honestly, Casey and Slowdown fans, I really don't think that COVID alone is to blame. I think the pandemic is magnifying the issues that were already there. The weakness of our healthcare system, isolation, systemic racism, and poverty were already huge problems in our society. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. We've posted great financial and racial equality resources for you on our Facebook page to help you make positive changes in your personal life and in your community. So go check those out. So much big systemic change is needed for all of us to live in equity and struggling against it every day can make you feel like you're always pushing a boulder up a hill in the dark in a hurricane. <laughs> that is what it feels like. I've struggled with money most of my life, and I've really tried to learn different financial strategies along the way. I've read a lot of books on money. I've had uh, people that were good with money advise me, but you know, I just didn't have that much money coming in. And I could never break out of the poverty cycle. That is until I made some very positive changes inside my own head and with my energy. Now, I know that to some of you that sounds ridiculous, but the truth is that now I have money coming to me in ways I never could have imagined, and I know it's because of the changes I made inside of myself because I never got very good at those outer world strategies for money anyway. But you know what? If I'm honest, even that is changing now too. So I just want to be clear that Casey and I are not claiming to have the cure for poverty. We wish. (laughs) (laughs) But we do want to share our personal journeys of shifting from poverty to prosperity consciousness so that you can attract more money and positive opportunities to you just like we did. So if you're open to thinking about money in a whole new way, we dedicate today's podcast to you. So what in the hell is poverty consciousness anyway? Poverty is a huge problem in our society that everyone is aware of, but the majority of people don't know that poverty is also a state of mind. A consciousness of poverty makes you think that you'll never have enough, you feel hopeless, you expect the worst out of life. I know that when I'm in poverty consciousness, physically, I feel like a tightness in my throat, a tightness in my chest, my body feels super heavy, and my mind replays these tracks of of painful thoughts. Um, Some of them are, it's impossible to make as much money as I need. No one has money to spend right now. I'm going to have to go back to a job I hate or the most recent one that's been that's been playing in there is the system's rigged to screw over small business. So what's the point of even trying? <laughs> I can relate to every single one of those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, when I'm in poverty consciousness, my body feels really like shaky and I feel nervous and afraid and unsafe. And I think things like, I can't have nice things. I'll never own a house. I'm going to die poor and alone. <laughs> my poverty consciousness <laughs> is super melodramatic. Like I, I noticed that. Yeah, that was just great. <laughs> <laughs> so on the other hand, when I'm in prosperity consciousness, oh, my body feels open and safe and I'm relaxed. And my mind is like more creative and fun and playful. And I'm just always thinking up these new solutions. I'm no longer focused on the problem. I have become a nonstop idea machine. Mm. And I just always believe it's going to work out, that the money's going to be there somehow. Yeah, even when you were talking about that, it felt a little bit lighter. Um, <laughs> I was just like, <gasps> right? But that, but I like that. A prosperity consciousness is lighter. It's full of light, and and poverty consciousness is is heavy. It's dark. Right, and it makes me feel like when I'm in pro- prosperity consciousness, I actually feel like I can breathe. Mm. You know, my body has more room to move and I'm in this kind of creative space where instead of seeing roadblocks, I see opportunities. Yeah, I have it like really distilled and oversimplified in my mind. It's you're either thinking thoughts that make you feel like shit or thoughts that make you feel good. When you think thoughts that make you feel like shit, you stay stuck in your life and stuck in poverty consciousness. When you think thoughts that make you feel good, you are more likely to take actions that create positive change, not only for yourself, but in your community and your society too. That is what's happened to me. So from a neuroscience perspective, you know, you need five positive thoughts to neutralize one negative thoughts. You need six or more positive thoughts to even start feeling good. So with prosperity consciousness, you're making these strong neural pathways to feeling good. You're releasing feel good, those happiness hormones. So it's you can even look at it from like a health and neurological perspective that you're doing something healthy for yourself by allowing yourself to start to shift to prosperity consciousness. So I'm going to give you a very cool real life example that's just happened to me over the last month, because I don't want you to think that I'm totally crazy pants and just making this up. (laughs) But I think before I do that, it would help if I gave you my backstory around poverty consciousness. Would that be okay with you? Yes, I'm super curious to hear what your backstory is. So I remember being a little kid in Allentown, Pennsylvania, about four years old, and my mom had invited a girlfriend over. My mom was super crafty, and she used to make these really cute little signs for people. It was really adorable. And so she puts up this sign to welcome her friend into our home. And as her friend walks in, she starts singing, Welcome back, baby to the poor side of town. And that's what the sign said. It was a song. And when she said that, my stomach just sank. And I was Mm. like, oh my God, we're poor. It it was almost like I had been trying to put my finger on what was wrong with us. (laughs) But but I just remember feeling really, really scared. 
And then about a year later, um, we moved into this like really nice suburban neighborhood and we had this big house, but we didn't have any money to buy furniture with. So we still didn't have people over and we were in this big empty house alone and I still felt poor. Mm. And then my dad left us. Um, he wasn't around very much anyway to begin with. And he moved like 90 minutes north. And his life really changed. He moved into this posh penthouse and he got a Mercedes and he got an airplane. And I just remember that time in my life when I was with my mom and and my my brother wasn't around much. He was mostly away at college and it was just she and I. And I remember being out at the mall and asking, we were just walking around. We weren't even buying anything. We didn't have any money. But I remember asking for an ice cream cone and her being like, sure, honey. And they made me this ice cream cone, right? And they hand it over to me. And I love ice cream. I'm like all excited. I still, last night, I was just like, I just discovered Rita's Italian mm. ice and custard. And last night I'm with, I'm working on my computer and all of a sudden it occurred to me that I ha I can have dairy now. I can go get that. And I jumped up and I felt like I was a little kid again. I was like, oh, I just got the most amazing idea. <laughs> ice cream. Ice cream. It was awesome. Um, so yeah. So I'm there. I got my, my ice cream cone. I'm totally happy. And my mom is digging around. She's like shaking her purse and digging around in the bottom of her purse for change and didn't have enough money to pay for the ice cream. And I felt mm. so guilty mm. for getting a nice thing that I wanted. I mean, just thinking about it now brings tears to my eyes. So it's like, we didn't have enough money and I felt guilty about it. And that fed into, I already felt guilty for existing anyway. Like it was just this, this huge thing. And it stuck with me. I mean, I'm what, it's 50 years later almost and I'm still like remembering that, you know? And so my conclusion was that my dad chose money over us. And that meant that rich and powerful people are bad and poor and powerless people are good. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, with that story too, like what an example of the experiences that we have when we're little, how our little mind interprets them mm -hmm. and how those end up being our beliefs as we get older. Yeah. Yeah. And we just keep living them out. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I had this, this belief that rich and powerful people are bad and I didn't want to be a bad person, you know? So I intentionally lived in poverty and poverty consciousness all the time. I mean, I started working at 11 years old because I didn't want to be a burden to my mom. And by the time I was 16 years old, I was living on my own. And into my 30s, I worked four jobs. I didn't take days off but still somehow I struggled to even make ends meet. And I had no safety net. I had no family around. I had no family money. I was all alone. And I just kept spiraling downward. I had really self, low self-worth. I didn't believe that I was worthy of love or care or nice things. And I didn't believe I could have what I want or make what I want. Like I just was stuck in this survival mode where I didn't 
look beyond today. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you couldn't look beyond today at that point. <laughs> right. You know, that's what survival mode is. But, you know, I also knew that other people had it a lot worse off than me. So I had a lot of guilt and I knew I wasn't entitled to whine about it. So I just found myself caught in this double bind that I think a lot of people that don't have money can relate to where I wanted and needed money to live and I yearned to have a safe home, but I also thought that money and wealth was bad. So it made me feel really stuck between me wanting money and thinking money was bad. Like it was this total stuck inertia place of not being able to, I felt like I couldn't get out of it, honestly. Yeah. Well, wanting something that you believe is bad for you is kind of (laughs) conflicting. (laughs) That was the conflict, right? And it just kept the guilt in place too. And so this is where things start to change. Now, I want everyone to understand that I have moved 40 times in my life And if it wasn't for friends taking me in, I would have been homeless many times. So you can get that I have this sort of ongoing fear of becoming homeless. And when we moved to Pittsburgh, um, I knew that the cost of living was so much lower here. And I was really hopeful that we could buy a home. And truth be told, I've always wanted a fixer-upper. I think because my grandfather built all of his homes and or seriously fixed up his and our homes when I was a little kid. And I feel like maybe that's in my DNA. Plus, I have binged way too many fixer-upper shows. I think it's because I love transformation. Mm. Maybe that's part of why I'm a healer, too, is I love seeing transformation. It just fires me up. I move here to Pittsburgh and I'm thinking, ooh, maybe we can get a fixer-upper. But as an entrepreneur, it's harder to get a loan. So we decided to wait until Dale hit the two-year mark at his job because then it's easier to get a loan. So we hit that two-year mark in January and we started looking around. And then COVID hit and he was furloughed and I thought my dream was dead. Mm. Boo! (laughs) So this is where... It gets fascinating about the last, I'd say, six weeks of my life. I was realizing that I was kind of getting more and more down about this manifesting a safe, stable home thing and getting a fixer-upper thing. So I was starting to get caught again in poverty consciousness around creating a home. So I realized that and I took it to my mat I did the manifestation part of the nonlinear movement method practice, and I started releasing my trauma around that some more and shifting my thoughts, emotions, and energy, and I was picturing myself happily renovating a home. I just kept like seeing that and feeling it in my body and moving that joy through me, and I was feeling like a little bit better Mm. and then a little bit better, right? And so one of the things that prosperity consciousness does for you is it attracts people and situations to you that can help you. So, and I know Casey loves things around intuition, so I know you're going to love this. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm coming down my stairs at home and I hear a voice in my head say, open your front door. 
So I walk to my front door, open it up, and there's a guy standing out there, and he's taking photos of the house next to me. And he's like, I'm not a weirdo. I'm trying to acquire this abandoned house. And I was like, good luck, man. Lots of people have been trying to get that house. So long story short, turns out this guy's a house flipper in this neighborhood. He's totally tapped in. He's socially conscious like Dale and I are. We've got to talking. We've become friends. And this guy has helped me to find a home in my neighborhood. He's hooked me up with a lawyer. I can get this house for under $10,000, which means that I have enough money left over to start fixing it up. And then he introduced me to a bank that will give me a construction loan. We've already had the meeting. Wow. And that is prosperity consciousness in action. We will be paying less than half for a fixed up home that I get to design myself from the ground up. You know, I mean, the house is already there. It's a hundred year old house, but I get to choose everything in it, just like I've always wanted for less than half the money. And most of the money in it will be equity from the get go. Wow. Right. And that's how prosperity consciousness works. It's like I got a big gob of free money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this type of thing has happened to me many, many times since I've been working with making my prosperity consciousness stronger. I just feel like this is one of the biggest ones because it's around the thing that has been the hardest for me to manifest in my life. Yeah. Well, and you were right. I love the intuitive piece of that story. (laughs) And I kind of want to speak to that too, because it's like, you know, you and Dale were planning to get this home. Then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. You got furloughed. And your reaction was to do a nonlinear movement method and to manifest and move some of that energy. And even though the situation itself felt like it was stuck. You took the action to do a little bit of movement and that created some space. That's when the intuition came in and was like, hey, open your door. Right. Because in poverty consciousness, there's no space for this newness. We have to somehow (laughs) open the door. Oh, see what I did there? Oh, open the door. And I opened the front oh door. See what I did? <laughs> so that is my story. What is your experience like with poverty and prosperity consciousness, Casey? What you got? Well, mine's mine's different. I don't have a rags to riches story. Uh, I grew up in a middle class family. I always felt financially secure. Uh, My parents paid for my college, and I was never spoiled, but I certainly didn't go without. That's always good for me to hear. I actually love hearing when people have really great supportive parents, and your parents are so loving and generous. They're they're amazing. I'm I'm very lucky. Shout out to mom and dad. Um, so yeah, so I graduated at a degree in education and a minor in special needs education. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm ready to go. I'm going to be the best teacher in the world and make all the monies. <laughs> yeah, Cause that's what every teacher thinks. I'm going to go make all the money. <laughs> right. right. Cause that's realistic. Right. Yeah. So, uh, 
I quickly got indoctrinated into society's collective poverty consciousness. Um, right out of the gates, I was told, oh, you know, teachers don't make a lot of money. Well, you know, you're, you're either going to have to teach somewhere that you don't like or that doesn't pay very well for the first couple years, but then you can move on. Mm. Um, and those were my only options. I was told, you know, these are your only options. And those were the limiting beliefs that I bought into and I adopted as my own because I'm new to this, you know, that's, hey, these are people with experience. So this is what this is going to be. So I busted my ass. I subbed in 30 different schools for two years and my yearly income was, you ready for this? $13,000. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It, it was below the poverty line. Um, yeah. But I was so relentless in this pursuit for this impossible quest of landing a teaching job. It was like absolutely exhausting. Yeah, that sounds exhausting. You know, when I worked my four jobs, I don't think I made all that much more mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. It, oof, yeah. Rough out there. Yeah. When it, it literally felt like getting up every day, like slamming my head against a wall and then getting up and doing it again and again and again, because I literally did not believe that anything else was possible, that I had any other options. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. That is so sucky, honey. I am sorry. Mm-hmm. How did you shift into prosperity consciousness from that? <sighs> well, uh, after an exceptionally shitty day of subbing. Uh, I I came home and I remember sitting in my computer and just being like, I I give up, you know, maybe I'm not supposed to be a teacher. I, I had gotten a teaching degree, all the certifications, but I'm like, maybe, maybe I'm not supposed to be a teacher. And as soon as this question came into my mind, it was like this teeny tiny little space opened and you know, what's coming next. Hmm. I heard a voice. (laughs) I heard a voice in my head say health educator and I'm like oh my god I have a master's degree (laughs) in in health education with special needs so just health educator so I just googled health educator google to the rescue google and um and a job fair popped up that was 10 minutes away from where I was living at the time. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Here's a health fair. Like at that time I, you know, I had like 20 some interviews for teaching job. My resume was like, could not have been more complete or up to date. I'm like, whatever, I'll just go to this health fair, drop it off. I got a U2 concert to get to. (laughs) Okay. So I go to the health fair and turns out they're doing on the spot interviews. And I'm like, oh, crap, I did what? Like, definitely, I don't even know what I'm interviewing for. Right, you're in rock show mode already. You're not in job mode. No, I just wanted to, like, get this done so I could put my, you know, cute outfit on and go to the YouTube concert. Right. So I end up having this job interview, knocked it out of the park. Yeah, you did. Like, and I remember leaving being like, that's hilarious. Uh, wasn't expecting that. But again, just, like, got in the car, went to the YouTube concert. And Sabano and was excited. Um, So the next day, I am driving in my car and the phone rings. And Mm -hmm. 
its school district that I had interviewed with. And they were like, congratulations, you just got a year-long, long-term subposition. Uh, one of our teachers is going to be out. You know, here's the salary. You start such and such a date. So I remember pulling the car over and being like, yes, like that's a whole year of like steady, predictable income. And yes, this is amazing. And um, so I get back in my car and my phone rings again. And I'm like, hello. And it was <laughs> it was the um, health insurance company that I interviewed with. And oh, okay. yeah. And they were like, congratulations, you got the job. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> And they said, you know, the starting salary is four times what you were making before you start Monday. And I was like, holy shit, good job. Yeah. And they were like, you know, you can let us know if you're interested. And so um, I remember just being like, thank you. And like, hanging up the phone. Did you play it like super cool? Like, oh, I'll let you know if I'm interested. I to- I totally did. They're like, oh, as soon as they said like, oh, it's you know, this is the price. Blah, 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 I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me think about it. Let me let me take four minutes and call you back. Um, <laughs> let me do my pants and call you exactly. back. <laughs> so, you know, it's it was just amazing with just that like one little question of like, yo, maybe I'm not supposed to be a teacher. Right. Just that yeah. little question created the space. And, and within 48 hours, I had two job offers. Wow, girl. It's opening that door, right? Like prosperity consciousness opens the door to greater possibility and like attracts like. And then the universe just comes in and gives you some options where there weren't options a day before. Freaking awesome, girl. Exactly. And you know what else, Casey? I think your story brings in a really great point here, that poverty consciousness isn't just about your personal issues. It's also a consciousness that's built into the fabric of our society. Like you said, you bought into all of these limiting beliefs of the other teachers around you and that that were stuck in poverty consciousness, too, that had gone before you, you know? And I do believe that teachers deserve to make a lot more money than they do. And I want to uplift all teachers into prosperity consciousness and our government so that they can all get paid more. I'm really curious because you came in without a lot of poverty consciousness. And it was kind of thrust onto you. And then you adopted those beliefs on your own. I wonder if you had come in and if the people around you had been in prosperity consciousness, I don't know, would it have gone differently? I'm really, really curious because I know that we can so easily be persuaded and taken over and adopt the consciousness of the people, the institutions, and the things around us. Yeah, that's a really great question. And and honestly, I think the answer would be yes, because for me, I think there was a piece of, of newness there of like, you know, when you don't know something, you look towards other people for guidance. And I already, because of my fortunate upbringing was like, I'm going to be the most amazing teacher. This is going to be great. But everybody around me was telling me that I could not succeed. 
and that and then I was like, well, okay, I guess I guess that their limiting beliefs are reality. Right. See, that's the thing. That's the thing where I don't care like how much of a non-believer you are of stuff or you think it's more spiritual. I look at it from a neuroscience perspective. Um, but you believed it and it became your reality. Yeah. That is what we freaking do, right? We create our reality from our beliefs. It's really amazing. And I don't think it's just all in the mind, right? For me, it's all mind, body, emotions, um, energy. It's everything together. But man, you cannot downplay how influential our mind is on our experience. 100%. You know, where, where thoughts go, energy flows. Mm, that is for sure. So you mentioned, you know, poverty consciousness being built into, you know, the fabric of our society. I experienced it as a teacher and I also experienced it in corporate America. Oh, yuck. I've managed to avoid that in my wonderfully alternative lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened? So it started off great. I was making four times as much money. I paid off my car. I bought a house. I paid off my master's degree. And I was doing work that I genuinely loved. Instead of educating children, I was now educating adults and I was helping them with weight loss, managing stress, managing chronic conditions. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And then the limiting beliefs started to kind of weave their way in. And, and I want to point out here that it wasn't conscious. It's again, just kind of from hearing people who've been doing it for a while, who have done it before, and you'd kind of just start to buy into their beliefs, except this time it sounded like, well, you know, giving up your time now will pay off big time when you retire. Or taking vacations is allowed, but it's going to cost you two times the amount of work when you come back and you're going to get penalized for it. You know, and it's so wild because in the beginning it felt free and open like we talked about, right, with prosperity consciousness. But then it started to feel closed and constricted and you know, I had plenty of money to take vacations, to treat myself, to take sick days, but I wasn't because I started to go back into and operate from poverty conscious mindset again. Yeah. So it's interesting because you made the shift, you got into a next thing that was better, that had more prosperity involved in it. You were in prosperity consciousness, then you fell back into poverty consciousness and I just, it makes me really curious. Was your job stressful? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it got more and more stressful. Mm. And if I know you, you're very responsible. So you were probably taking on a lot of responsibility. <laughs> no, I'm, nope, not at all perfectionist. Nope. Nope, must be thinking of someone else. You're making me realize the connection between prosperity consciousness and alignment or what I call alignment with highest good. Meaning, you know, I can only think of, I can only think so far for myself. Like I want the things that I want, right? We all have our wants and desires, but I don't just want what my limited ego or my little mind can come up with. I want the very best for me. 
And I call that alignment with your highest good. And your story to me emphasizes or highlights that alignment with highest good is something that we have to be really nimble about and do over and over again. So I feel like you did it. You got this up level and this upgrade in your life. But, you know, the conditions weren't quite perfect. There was a lot of stress there. So then it's about this being really nimble so you can realign again and again and again. And I feel like that's kind of the experience of life. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember sharing on a different episode that I had this epiphany about how you could go from good thing to good thing, (laughs) that my life didn't have to be crash and burn, then okay, crash and burn, then okay, that it was allowed to go from like, okay, to okay, to okay, to good, to good, to good. And I feel like that is how we can progress through life when we have more prosperity consciousness and energy working for us. We go from good thing and then, hey, we figure out and we find out that maybe this isn't the perfect fit. I could do with even better. And Mm. that's that building your capacity to feeling good. It's really, really cool. And you know what's interesting also about that story is that you can be making more money and poverty consciousness can still come in and still be there. We often think, ooh, if you have money, you're in prosperity consciousness. Or if you don't have money, you must be in poverty consciousness. But I don't think it really is that way because I've known people that have serious money. They are still in poverty consciousness. And also what I love is how inclusive prosperity consciousness is. In prosperity consciousness, everybody gets a car. You know, it's like Oprah. (laughs) Like, look under your seat. Something wonderful is there for you. There's prizes around every corner. Like, that's prosperity consciousness. Nobody gets left out. But what we're living in in our society now is this way that intentionally keeps people poor. You know, 1% of the population believes I need to get rich, so that means you need to stay poor. And that's how 1% of the population has all of the wealth while 99% don't. It's like we've got this poverty consciousness-based system of exclusion, not a prosperity-based system of inclusion, right? So poverty consciousness keeps us in this trap And we keep spending money on things that we don't really even need because we're trying to feel happy. And we get a dopamine hit when we buy something. And then that quickly fades. And then we're left with this empty wallet and a house full of crap. And there we are. That's the condition that most people are in right now. Well said. And poverty consciousness wastes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I can look back to times when I've been in poverty consciousness. I misplace bills. I accrue <laughs> late fees. Oh, yeah. You know, I buy shit on Amazon because I think that it's going to make me feel better. <laughs> you know, like prosperity, no, excuse me, poverty consciousness is the reason that I now own uh, 12 facial suction cups. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> yeah. I, I was in a, I was in a place 
I was in a place and I was like, I need these things to help my skin on my face. And I just bought them and now I have 12 and I only wanted two. So yeah, it's, it's, it can waste a lot of money. I no seriously, you're so right. Cause you're like, I'm having this flood of memories. Like I have lost my passport four times. Who does that? I was in so much poverty consciousness. I remember wanting to go visit my Nana. I was sure she was going to die any day. I mean, she ended up living for years after this, but and I like, you know, money was so tight and I knew I couldn't afford the plane ticket, but like, I just went ahead and did it because I really wanted to fly and see my Nana and I totally screwed up and I booked it for the wrong days and I had to buy another plane ticket. I'd buy two plane tickets. That's so crazy. Oh. And and how like, and I know a lot of people in poverty consciousness can relate to this. Every freaking car I had was a lemon. Mm. And I had this terror of car loans. Talk about being afraid of something just because you're unfamiliar with it, being afraid of the unknown. I didn't really understand a car loan. I didn't really know what it was about. I wish I had been educated that on that when that on that when I was much younger because I wasted so much money trying to keep shitty cars running and I had so much stress cuz I never knew if I was going to make it to the job or not because my car was so terrible. Mm-hmm. And I I remember shifting with that one and got the car I have now, the only car that I've ever uh, got a car loan for, I had that money come directly out of my account. I never noticed. I feel like I got the best car in the world, the car I have now, for free, because I never even noticed my car payment. It was so low. I wish I had made that shift much earlier in my life, because I wasted so much time and stress and money uh, being in poverty consciousness. It's just wow. And you know, when I was in poverty consciousness, I said this earlier, I was always in survival mode. I couldn't see the future. I couldn't make financial plans for the future because every penny was just about today. And in prosperity consciousness, you can plan for today and for the future. You can see long-term projects, but instead of thinking about your financial future with terror, you can think about it with joy and creativity. And that's, I'm really speaking from my own experience because that's how I feel now. And we have some great skills coming up for you because we really want to teach you how to shift from poverty to prosperity consciousness. And we don't want you to be too hard on yourselves about where you might be at on the poverty, prosperity, consciousness spectrum. You know, Um, there's some probably some ways in your life right now where prosperity consciousness is also showing through. Like you might have some really great prosperity superpowers working for you already. Like I have a prosperity superpower. I've been to more rock shows than I can count for free, and I always have a backstage pass. So that's a great prosperity superpower I've always had. Nice. Yeah. My prosperity superpower is aligning to things. Like whenever I bought my house, everyone was like, you're going to spend so much money filling up your house. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And I stocked my entire house 
and just aligned to like everything I need. I paid less than $2,000 for everything, beds, dressers, you mean the everything that I needed. I spent $3,000 on things like soap dishes, towels, dryer rack. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> That's amazing. It's my superpower. It is. <laughs> It's easy to be hard on ourselves when we're in poverty consciousness because it's built into our history. Oh, yeah. It's built into our history, our ancestry, our families, our culture, you name it. We've inherited a lot of poverty consciousness that isn't even ours. Yeah. One of the things that comes to mind, um, you know, 100 years ago during the Industrial Revolution, the industrialists came up with a new plan called marketing. Oh, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> to convince Americans that they needed to continue to buy more and more stuff in order to keep up with the standard of living and to be happy. And those beliefs have been ingrained in us by our great-grandparents, grandparents, parents, and they're just passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I mean, we definitely have in our culture that the acquisition of things equals happiness, right? And it's interesting because in the country of Bhutan, they changed from basing their economy on gross domestic product to basing it on gross national happiness, which I just think is so freaking cool. And Finland has been called the happiest place on earth for two years in a row. And... I just think that's really, really cool that they decided to base their economy on happiness. Well, and what changed when they shifted from a desire for money to a desire for happiness? Well, according to the World Happiness Report, and I'm very happy that there is such a thing as the World Happiness Report, what changed were that citizens experienced a higher quality of life, low levels of corruption, high literacy rates, a small income gap, wide access to health care, and high life expectancy rates, and healthy work-life balance. That's a lot of goodness. Wow. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> and of course, you still need money to live, but you don't have to become a millionaire to finally be happy. And I think that's a belief that a lot of people hold. Mm-hmm. And so for you slowdown fans who like numbers and studies, in Western culture, $75,000 a year is the magic amount. And they found that people who make more than that aren't actually happier. Honestly, that statistic really helps me because I kind of had it in my mind. And I think a lot of coaches really push that whole like, you have to make six figures a year and that whole thing. Um but to hear 75K, like that feels so doable. It just feels possible. Like, okay, I can have that. I can have that in my prosperity bubble that I hold around me. Like I can easily hold that amount. And it doesn't feel so outrageous. That really helps. Thanks, Casey. Sure. All right, so we've talked about prosperity consciousness, we've talked about poverty consciousness, we've talked about why they exist, some ways that they feel, how they affect us. How do we transform from poverty consciousness to prosperity consciousness? Yeah, honestly, I've 
made a lot of steps along my journey from poverty to prosperity consciousness. And like I said, I am still on this journey, but I think it's taken me so long because I had so much trauma blocking my way. And if I really look at it, there's three main areas that I needed to shift to go from poverty to prosperity consciousness, my beliefs, my energy, and my emotions. And part of the reason that my life was so stressful was because I was poor. And one day I heard the sentence, work smarter, not harder. And I really wanted that because I had been working hard my whole life and that struggle was really burning me out. And I realized that I would have to overcome my beliefs about money being bad if I was to have any chance of getting myself out of that poverty cycle. So I do remember that I started working with poverty consciousness around 2000 when I was doing my Louise Hay teacher training. And you know, I had worked since I was 11 years old and I was living with this conscious belief that money comes from hard work. I think a lot of people can relate to that and the Puritan work ethic and all. But I still had this subconscious belief that I found out when I started really working with my unconscious and changing painful beliefs into positive, supportive beliefs. I realized that I had this very sneaky, unconscious belief that was running the show that said, money came from my father. Now, when you're a child, for all of us, money does come from our parents, but we grow out of that belief and we become adults and we take on our own financial responsibilities. But when I found that out, like money comes from my father, I realized that I was locked in trying to make my father love me so that one day he would give me money so that I wouldn't be poor anymore. So I invite all of you slowdown fans to really think about what do you believe your money is coming from? Is it coming from hard work? Is it coming from the government? Is it coming from a spouse? Where do you think money is coming from? Casey, where do you think money is coming from? <laughs> mm, gosh, I, I really like this question. And I like your example of how it can actually be deeper than what you think. Um, I know I used to think that money came from like these limited sources of funding. So the government educational systems, corporations. But now, you know, my definition and my belief around money has expanded into more of, a, of an energy. And so money now comes from me being in alignment. Oh, beautiful. I love that. Yeah, what I got help with was that money comes from the universe. So I transferred my money comes from my father to money comes from the universe. But I love money comes from being in alignment. That's even better. Look, right here during this podcast, you helped me up-level my prosperity consciousness, Casey. <laughs> right on. It can happen at any time, people. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Casey and I in our private practices, we help people uncover their limiting beliefs, 
and make new positive beliefs that can help them move forward in their lives. And you, you just did it in real time right now, Casey. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, the, the awareness around a limiting belief and the experience of transforming it has been really serving as well. So, you know, the example that I gave when I was in uh, a teacher, I was fed limiting beliefs. And I was in corporate America, I was fed limiting beliefs. I started to work through them and I became aware of them when they presented themselves. So when it came time to buy my house and I had a couple people say, oh, well, you know, you were paying $900 in rent and now your mortgage is only 800 but you're going to end up spending thousands and thousands more filling up your home i immediately my immediate reaction to that was limiting belief no i'm not i'm i'm not that is not that thank you for sharing your truth but i'm not going to adopt that limiting belief and i didn't and now like you when you asked what my superpower was that was the first thing that came up and the reason why is because I can identify when a limiting belief comes up and choose different. Well, that is a massive superpower, right? And it harkens back to what I said near the beginning of this episode where like it, it either makes you feel like shit or it makes you feel good. Like go with the beliefs that make you feel good. It's <laughs> mm -hmm. freaking awesome. You know, one other thing I want to bring in here, because it can be really confusing for people, is that there is a difference between abundance and prosperity. Now, people often use them interchangeably. I've seen that. They have abundance practices. But prosperity specifically has to do with the energy frequency of money, whereas abundance is the energy frequency of a lot just of a lotness. And so when people tell me things like, oh yeah, I have this abundance practice. I'm like, oh, what are you trying to create an abundance of? And they pause, right? There's like this awkward pause because I'm like, well, you could have an abundance of problems. You could have an abundance of horrible bosses. You could have abundance. <laughs> There's a lot of shitty things you could have an abundance of. Like, be really clear. If you have an abundance practice, slow down fans, like be super clear about what are you calling in <laughs> to abundance? And if you want more money, then have a prosperity practice. We're going to talk more about that in skills in just a moment. <laughs> mm -hmm. And thanks for uh, bringing that and kind of adding the difference between the two. I lumped them together for a while. Yeah, yeah. When you really get into um, conscious manifestation embodiment practices, you start feeling the energy frequency difference between things. And so you, you do really want to be clear when you are in a process of conscious manifestation. I talked about mentally what I shifted to going from poverty to prosperity. Emotionally, I've had a lot of good emotional shifts. You know, I had <laughs> a story I think of is I had these neighbors in Belgium. They were one of the richest families in the whole entire world. That is not hyperbole. That is the actual truth. And meeting them, the husband was very joyful. When I met the wife, she was handing me this iced tea and I just, I'm such an empath, right? And I just remember 
feeling how sad she was and how down and how low her energy frequency was. And she was not physically unhealthy. This was an emotional weight. And something really, I had a spontaneous healing where my heart just burst open for this woman. And I had this realization, oh my God, really rich people can be sad too. They have problems too. And it made me realize that my whole life, I was objectifying rich people and making them all seem bad. Oh, and a lot of that stems from the little childhood belief that you shared. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, thank you for bringing that because objectifying wealthy people dehumanizes them and it actually contributes more to poverty consciousness because it creates a divide. Yeah, it really does. It keeps us in that victim perpetrator place. And, you know, poverty consciousness is, is imbued with victim consciousness. So I was doing that to myself with that belief. So I really, I had this huge heart opening and it's weird, but since then I have had at least five sets of, um, billionaire families as clients. And, you know, there's not a lot of billionaires in the world. And I have so much love in my heart for them. And, and I see like, Hey, they're real people too, right? They're just regular people with their own traumas, their own problems. Money just ain't one. When you talked about, you know, the transformation from poverty to prosperity consciousness, uh, mentally, emotionally, and you know I'm a dork for energetically. So <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> so first of all, I want to say that energetically, I had to really do some serious repair work with my first chakra to help plug my money leaks. So for me personally, I had broken my tailbone at 11 years old. Your first chakra is your divining rod into the earth. And it connects you and plugs you into this earth plane. So you want to manifest things in real physical form on the earth plane, you've got to have a strong, healthy first chakra that is really plugged in. Um, so I started working with that energetically first. Then I started really working with my own trauma, releasing my own trauma, and opening up my receiving channels. And you know, something we all do when we've been traumatized is we've been hurt, right? What's come at us was not safe. So we create an energetic barrier. Well, an energy block is an energy block. It sure, it keeps the bad out, it doesn't let the good in, but it also keeps the good out. So you end up just blocking everything and doing what I call closing your receiving channels, right? So if you want to create more prosperity in your life, those receiving channels have to open up. So you've got to do safe, good, professional work with trauma release and really getting that trauma out of your cells, out of your mind, and replacing it with healthy thoughts, energy, emotions. Mm. And thank you for bringing the trauma piece into that as well mm -hmm. and, and, and how that can block those receiving channels. Yeah, it really does. 
So the next big thing that really helped me was, I mentioned it earlier, the moving for manifestation and the nonlinear movement method practice. And that is when you are thinking about what you want to manifest and you're feeling it with your emotions and you're moving it through your body. That practice alone, oh my gosh. I mean, I have manifested so much in my real life that I've always wanted. Like I've always wanted to see the Northern Lights in Norway. And I started moving that through me. And man, bam, three times in two years, I ended up in Norway seeing the Northern Lights. Like it's really amazing what you can do when you involve your body and really, really let your blocks move mentally, physically, emotionally, every single part of you. Another part, which we're going to go to in the skills, is using your imagination. And I just want to say here that there's a difference between imagining things and disassociating, disconnecting from yourself and a conscious manifestation embodiment practice where you're really using your emotions, you're retraining your brain, you're making new neural pathways, you're uplifting your brain frequencies to be able to attract and be an energetic magnet towards what you want in your life. So there is a big difference in that. And because of having PTSD, I was really well practiced at being able to feel my depression and feel anxiety, (laughs) but I wasn't so practiced at feeling good for any length of time, right? So part of the practice is to increase your capability to feel good for longer and longer periods of time. So for me, feeling good happiness has translated in more money coming to me in more ways from more sources than I ever, ever, ever could have imagined. And we're going to bring you four skills to help you shift into prosperity consciousness right after a commercial break and word from our sponsor. If you want to boost your prosperity consciousness, then tune into our bi-monthly virtual non-linear movement method classes. This is the somatic method proven to get the dregs of trauma out of your mind and cells and open your receiving channels. Just go to thehappywomanacademy.com and click on the hot pink button for details and to get your ticket. See you on Zoom in class. Hi, Slowdown fans. It's me, Mother Nature. Poverty consciousness can make you feel closed down and hopeless. Prosperity consciousness feels open and hopeful. This is a loving reminder that in this crazy world, I'm always here to support you. Spend some time with me, play, relax, and let me help you naturally shift into prosperity consciousness. Thank you, Mother Nature. And now for our slow down skills. Slow down skills, slow down skills. Woo, woo, okay. So our slow down skills. This slowdown skill, actually, you know, when I am, well, both Casey and I do this, we have a free consultation. And in my consultation, uh, I go through every single part of your life and see what your issues are costing you. So here is a modified question from my free consultation. So Slow down fans, I would love you to take a moment and close your eyes. 
and I'm going to ask you a question. And when I do, a number is going to appear on your mind screen, in the back of your eyelids. You're going to see a number. And I want you to be really honest and admit that number. <laughs> Actually, I'd love to have y'all like tell us about it on our Facebook page. That would be really cool, which is Slow the F Down Show. So here's the question. How much is your poverty consciousness costing you each year? That's it. What's your number? You saw it. I know you saw it. You saw a number because every single person I've done this with sees a number. So be honest about it. Write that number down and know that that's how much shifting into prosperity consciousness is worth to you. You're going to make that much more money a year. Boom. Mm, I love that. And what a cool shift of, hmm. How much is my poverty conscious costing? Mm-hmm. Because it's costing you money, I guarantee. <laughs> Ooh, okay, so that was slow down skill number one. Slow down skill number two is affirmations. Tell us about those. Well, you know, I know that a lot of people do not dig affirmations. And let me tell you something, it's because you're doing it wrong. Affirmations are not just about magical thinking. Affirmations are about feeling it with your emotion, moving it through your body, really getting a reaction, doing it over and over so you get that six or more positive for every one negative so you can make a happy, healthy neural pathway to prosperity. So I'm going to share and Casey's going to share the affirmations around prosperity that work for us. I came up with mine in a Will Manifestation Circle years ago, and it still works for me. Sometimes a affirmation will only work for you for a few days. This one's worked for me for years because it always makes me giggly. So my prosperity affirmation is, I have more money than I can possibly spend. <laughs> that's a good one it's good one it always works and you, you know that it's good for you if it gives you kind of a ooh, kind of a shiver kind of a tingle kind of a energy moving feeling in your body feels open yeah what's yours Casey so mine is um, prosperity flows easily to me in alignment with highest good mmm mmm yeah, and we know how good you do with that alignment with highest good. It's kind of a jam. <laughs> so excellent. I love it. I love it. Okay, slow down skill number three is something I love doing and has worked for me for years. And I'm really going to go into it with you so you can see about like having fun with it and really feeling and really getting specific. My prosperity slowdown skill is that I imagine that I won over a hundred million dollars in the lottery. Now it has to be that big for this particular fantasy. And I use this when I'm really feeling down or poverty consciousness has come back and it's spoiling my time. <laughs> I was going to say, spoiling my mind and making me feel shitty. So this one always works for me, but I do it really, really in detail. It goes like this. I imagine winning the money. 
I've got that, you know, $250 million winning ticket. And one of my imaginations is about how do I tell Dale, Dale's my partner, how do I tell him? So one of my fantasies is that I just buy him that 1965 convertible Mustang he wants. I just leave the keys sitting on the counter and he finds them and he's like, what are these? That's one of the fantasies. Another one is I imagine giving a million dollars to my closest friends and family members. And I imagine seeing their faces and just how that just lights my heart up. And another one is I imagine buying our Georgian house in Edinburgh, Scotland, in Newtown. And Newtown is from the 1700s. <laughs> and I imagine like finding it and decorating it. And I imagine a hiring a, a personal assistant that's like a professional butler. <laughs> and I just have so much fun with this. Now, this particular one, doesn't work for Dale at all. He has a totally different way to access his prosperity consciousness. I just share this with you so you can go big and find your own way that feels good to you. Because the most important thing is that imagining it has to make you feel good. And if you want to dive deeper with creating your own affirmations and get a bunch of other prosperity skills, you can go to Amazon and get your own copy of my best-selling workbook, Supercharge Your Money Vibe. So slow down skill number four, speaking of feeling good, is pay your bills in a good mood. Yes. You know, might sound simple, but it's kind of monumental for some people hearing it, when I pay my bills, I actually set up a scene. So like I will pour myself a cup of tea, coffee, um, set the space. I actually make sure that I'm in a good mood so that the, the act of working with my money and paying my bills, I'm in a good mood yeah. while doing it. Yeah, it's so important. And I have to say that that is a prosperity skill I put in place when I was 16 years old. I came up with it myself and it has really seen me through. Even in those dark days, I always felt gratitude that I could turn on my stove and cook a meal, that I had heat, that I had light. Um, now, like that I have internet, like I'm so grateful when I pay those bills. Thank you for bringing that into this, Casey. That is a great prosperity skill. Yeah. And, and the, the gratitude piece, and I thank you for adding that too, because if money is energy, which it is, everything is energy, mm -hmm. bringing gratitude to money changes that energy. And so while, you know, everyone around you can say these negative things about lack of money, you're in charge of the money that you are giving to somebody else that you are spending. So why not change the energy of that? I've heard it called blessing your money, mm. you know, blessing your money and blessing the receiver. So like when I hired my coach, like I sent her that money with so much love in my heart mm. and I was glad to give it to her. I was glad she had it. I have so much appreciation for her. And the same with my healers, with my therapists, like I bless that money and give it to them. I want them to have it. I'm grateful for their service. So you can really use that when you spend money. And it also brings you into a higher consciousness of what you're spending your money on. Mm. 
you know, like you could spend your money on a bunch of crap or you could spend your money on things that really improve your life in a serious way. Yes. And that is the shift into investing in yourself. Yeah. Investing in yourself with that, from that place of love, right? Not that place of like where I started when I started investing myself of like, oh, I'm so broken. I have to fix myself. I'm so fucked. But like from that place of really deep love, like I want to become more love, more of who I really am. I want to buy great food and take great care of myself. I want to exercise my body and, you know, have that gym membership out of love, Mm. right? Not out of punishment, like that you really are investing in your own well-being because your body, you, you are all you've got for your whole life. You deserve to be well invested in. What other thing is better than investing than in you, than in your happiness, than in your well-being. And I know when I invest in myself that it has always led to me making more money in some way. I have so many like magical manifestation stories around money and paying for my own investments. Like when I was doing the um, nonlinear movement method teacher training, I had 100% yes in my system, but I did not have 100% of that money. (laughs) And it was going to be quite a big chunk of many thousands of dollars. And I just didn't have it at the time, but I knew I was in alignment with it. And I kept not pressing the button to put it on my credit card. I remember like not pressing the, the, the pay button on the computer. And my teacher actually emailed me and she's like, I thought you were going to do my course. You only have a day left and there's only two spots left. Like, I don't want to pressure you, but are you going to do this or not? And I was so scared and so nervous. And I realized I was in poverty consciousness and I took some deep breaths. I realigned myself. And I pressed the button. The moment I pressed the button, it was like a thousand pounds lifted off my shoulders. And I knew I had yeah. made the right choice. Oh, yeah. I swear to you, a week later, I get a phone call from one of my clients who says, you know what? I want to treat my mom to a year of massages. How much would a year of massages be every other week for my mom? Guess how much it was? The same amount I just put on my credit card, got to pay it off before it even came in. Like, woo! (laughs) Wow. Wow. And and when you're talking about that excitement Mm. of like the the excitement, the weight lifted that came off after you decided to do it, I brought me right back to the moment where I seriously invested for the first time in myself. before in my old jobs and teaching corporate America, I would get these certifications because it would look good on my next position. It would create more opportunities. But like whenever I actually for the first time invested in myself was when I decided to get the two-year love, sex, relationship coaching certification. And it was that same thing. It was like, oh, I can't. My initial, my initial thing, I read the email. I was like, that sounds amazing. Oh, no, I can't do it. It's too much. I can't, I can't spend that much money on myself, you know. But then I went back to it and I kept going back. And I finally just decided to do it. <laughs> and I remember as soon as I did the first payment, that same feeling that like, oh, that's the reason 
that I'm doing what I'm doing today. That course sparked this love of sensuality and it sparked this transformation in me. And now that's what I gift to the world. I would invest in that 10 times over. I feel you 100%. I mean, gosh, the, the gift that nonlinear movement method is in my life and that I get to share that with other people and give that gift to other people. How do you even put a price tag on that? So if you're listening and you're, there's that thing that you just thought of listening to us that you've been wanting to invest in yourself, do it. Do it. <laughs> do do it. it. Give it to yourself. Please give it to yourself. And hey, you want to give it to us? We're here to help you take your healing deeper too. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Of course. You can set up a consultation with either one of us on our website, slowthefdownshow.com. And now to our slowdown playlist. Casey, what is your slowdown song of the week? So this is interesting. I haven't listened to Dolly Parton in a while, but oh, she girl. has a song. She has a song called A Coat of Many Colors. Oh, yes. Know it well. It's a lot about your mindset. So that's my slowdown song. Well, my slowdown song of the week is And You Could, and it's by The Cocktails. It's off their album, Peel. I love this whole album. Actually, it's a great slowdown album. That song just puts me in a chill mood right away. And our slowdown fan featured song is by Stacy Green Levines, the master photographer. And her song is This Bitter Earth. It's from the album On the Nature of Daylight. The composer is Max Richter, and it's sung by Dinah Washington. And it's like this remix. It sounds like modern neoclassical, and then they're mixing in Dinah Washington. And it kind of lulled both Casey and I when we were listening to it. We were just like, oh my God, I just want to keep listening to this forever. So Thank you, Slowdown fan Stacy Green Levines. Yay! <laughs> so, so you're not able to play our featured Slowdown songs here, but you can always find them on our Facebook page, Slow the F Down Show. So, Elizabeth, what was your favorite part of today's show? Honestly, I think my favorite part of today's show was preparing it with you. We put in care and heart and respect into preparing this show and you were so respectful of me I didn't feel judged by you and I really I really appreciate how well you received me because uh, you know it's not an easy story to share so thank no, you oh you're so welcome what was your favorite part of today's show honey so my favorite part of today's show is when you talked about a world happiness report. <laughs> I love that that's a thing. I love that like Bhutan's like, yeah, you know, uh, we're gonna just put gross national happiness into our uh, country. Right on. <laughs> oh, that's so fun, Casey. That's perfect. On our next episode, slow the fuck down with finding your life's purpose. Thank you for slowing down with us and enjoy your slowdown. Remember, go to slowthefdownshow.com to schedule your free consultation with Casey or Elizabeth. <laughs>